Pop Shield, a long-form discussion podcast about musical topics both past and present. I'm Gabe, and I'm joined as always by Dan. Hello. And Darren. Hello. So, September 17th will mark 30 years since the release of Cocteau Twins' seminal sixth LP, Heaven or Las Vegas, released in 1990, if you're bad at math. (laughs) And when we saw this anniversary approaching, we agreed that the album would make for a perfect triple blunder episode, where we all attempt to get into a masterpiece we somehow missed at the same time. That's right. Much to our embarrassment, none of us have spent much time with or successfully gotten into Cocteau Twins. And it's high time we fix that by diving deep into Heaven or Las Vegas. At the same time, I think our blunders are fitting because the band seems to stay under the radar for a lot of folks, and we're going to try to figure out why that is. Before we get started, I think we ought to go over our previous familiarity with Cocteau Twins, or lack thereof, in more detail. How much time have you actually spent with them, and why do you consider them a blunder? Why didn't it click for you, Dan? Yeah, I, I've honestly spent like very, very little time. It, it, Heaven or Las Vegas is like a record that I, I've downloaded, you know, I've, I've had it on, you know, my computer for a long time, but I, I you uh, know, I've maybe listened to it a, a handful and just never, it's one of those things that I like always sort of meant to get into and like for, forget about, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. What about uh, you, Darren? Yeah, pretty similar. I, you know, am pretty sure over the years of having an iPod, like they were on there at various times and may have come off during various purges, right? Just because, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I I do recall like listening a little bit, but just not feeling like it clicked right away. And I would say during the time that I was probably trying to check them out, I was also probably checking out a lot of other things, right? At the same time. And my attention just kind of quickly went elsewhere and i just never really got that came back to it yeah i'm probably in the same boat because i definitely have listened to a couple cocteau twins albums uh particularly in 2014 um you know 4ad reissued heaven or las vegas and the album before this bluebell knoll and you know i think this album got a 10 on pitchfork and you know it was kind of like i always had heard of cocteau twins it was like you know, it's just funny to think that, like, whatever that was four years ago, I was like, damn, I really need to get into them. You know, and now here we are, you know, this many years later <laughs> and I still haven't done it. But I definitely listened to it and just for some reason must have just not spent a ton of time with it or, or anything because it kind of just like went in one ear and out the other. Um, you know, so I, I, for one, was, you know, feeling like this is going to be it. All right. And so we'll see how well we did with that. I think the best way to dive in is as we always do by trying to describe the overall sound of Cocteau Twins, Heaven or Las Vegas. Um, Dan, let's have you do the honors, but you know, I kind of want to maybe start with the instrumentation here if we can. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, the instrumentation, it's, it's kind of got like a, 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 a proto like shoegaze feel even though it's only you know months before loveless um you know <laughs> yeah. like like it has that like ethereal sort of hazy kind of thing but it's not like overly you know like loveless or whatever is like you know sounds like 800 guitars playing at once you know and this is like sort right. of like you know loveless unplugged you know or or only sort of plugged in i guess yeah <laughs> um kind of thing you know but it's got like that really like sort of dreamy um uh sort of like uh you know a ethereal feel to it uh like a like a stripped back um my bloody valentine um with uh you know electronic uh drums and um you know sort of sense that 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 sound like a little uh 
older than than uh you know shoegazy kind of things you know yeah yeah that's true i i I do think it's it's like remarkably uh empty for lack of a better word i mean we'll get it more into Mm -hmm. this but it's like it's like it feels like the opposite of the wall of sound that is you know my bloody valentine or slow dive or something um how, how would you describe the the instrumentation Derek? yeah i mean i would take you know dan's statement about you know my bloody valentine having 800 guitars and say here we have basically like one guitar and <laughs> yeah like you know several different effects you know lots of effects kind of happening but you know no matter how many effects you have on there you can still kind of tell that there is just you know pretty much one guitar driving most of the music which compared to something like loveless it really does sound very like sparse and very very empty like a lot of a lot of space um here and you know the the drums remind me a lot of you know slow dive or my my bloody valentine but the difference being that like you can kind of hear them very well here right you can you can hear the the beats um a lot better than you can on some of those um other albums that are just kind of hammering you with this wall of sound like you described Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like it's it's empty in the sense of you're right. There's usually just like one guitar. Sometimes, you know, when the when it's crescendoing a little bit or reaching a chorus or something, there'll be like another layer of guitar added. But you know, I'm kind of shocked by how thin the guitar is, and it seems like a very deliberate choice, right? Where it's like it's like evaporating, you know, before your very ears. Right. Uh, it it's just so, you know, I don't know. You just think of like lush you know yeah, it's like shimmering tones yeah but you, you think of like uh you know lots of reverb and stuff but it's often mm-hmm. like just very dry and just like yeah kind of like shimmering in the distance or something it's like very low in the mix often um and yeah very a lot of empty space there are yeah quite a lot of electronic drums um sometimes you know i i, I believe that the drums are always electronic but i feel like sometimes they really do a nice job of sounding real you know like the fills are actually very good uh but sometimes it's very apparent it's electronic and you know what what i kind of decided is that it almost just sounds like this is like a new wave band or something the guitars almost sound like uh keyboards you know what i mean like Mm because there's like some sort of like synth pad stuff going on again never like huge big luscious sound but you can almost like not tell the difference between the guitar and the and the since especially when um the you know there's like kind of droning feedback sometimes or just like a slightly like slightly abrasive like sliding distorted guitar um and then the bass also i cannot usually tell if it's a real bass guitar or if it's a synth bass you know what i mean it's like everything is Mm -hmm. a keyboard basically you know yeah everything has sort of like a um like a synthetic, you know, kind of feel to it, um, which I think like, you know, it's from 1990, um, but it, it kind of like has that 80s kind of feel. I mean, you know, it came out in September, so it might have even been recorded in the 80s. Uh, you know, like it, it, right. it, sometimes it sort of reminded me of um, like The Cure a little bit uh in the mm-hmm. in the way the like um especially kind of disintegration you know era like it, it had like sort of a similar like atmospheric uh feel but not nearly so huge no 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 I, mean? like, no I just mean like the literal sound like some sometimes the guitar like sound yeah you like, know like the, the same tone or whatever like the high bass guitar that's just like yeah like just holding that like one like driving note um yeah very very cure um 
and kind of like the just jubilant indie pop of you know the cures like just like heaven or something like that you know what i mean a lot mm-hmm. a lot of that vibe yeah. here um, just like heaven or las vegas there hey. we go um, <laughs> i'm sure somebody's made that mashup somewhere mm-hmm. um so okay so i want to do the instrumentation first because i feel like i wonder if you guys agree that the instrumentation here is really kind of just like a foundation for the vocals which are like the star here um darren how would you describe the vocal work here and and do you agree with me that it's kind of like it's all about the vocals really um yeah i think that that kind of immediately jumped out at me um when i was really doing some focused listening you know i I don't really recall being struck by it so much though you know early on when we had when i first tried this but um but yeah I, i really think that the instrumentation is sort of playing the background for the vocals but you know to to a certain degree, I kind of think that the vocals are also being leveraged as like an instrument, you know, as, you know what I yeah. mean? Mm-hmm. A little less, and we'll get into this, I think, when we start talking lyrics and stuff, but, um, you know, it, it's really a, a huge part of the overall sound, right? Yeah. Yeah. What do you make of the, of the vocal approach, Dan? Yeah. I mean, I completely agree with you, Darren. Like it, it really is like just another instrument, especially you 99 percent of the time at least me i i couldn't understand like what the hell she was saying you know yep, it, right, it, right you know what it reminded me of i i saw this like video one time uh it was like i think it was from like an italian tv show or something and it was like a guy and he was singing like um made up english and it was supposed to be like what you know like when you hear someone speak you know a, a language you don't understand like it, it you know it has like some sort of rhythm or whatever like he was doing that it was like how english sounds to like non-english speakers and uh, and, like really like this record like reminded me of that so much like like the uh you know the 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 syllables and you know just the like the way the the words are said um you know you 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 recognize them as being english but it's like also like almost completely alien yeah, I want to, you know, in a little bit, I want to see like how much we can pull out of the lyrical themes here, you know, if it's even possible. But, you know, just the sound of the vocals, I think it it is, it is, I think the star here, but I think you're right, Darren, that it like, it didn't immediately hit me. And I didn't even realize until like 10, 15 listens in that some of the sounds that I was enjoying in the background were more vocals. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like often there are layers and layers of vocals here and sometimes they are like so you know trebly and reverby you know in contrast to the guitar which is often like pretty pretty spare um the the lusciousness is is coming from the vocal these like background vocals sometimes there's like you know falsetto uh ooze and stuff like on both sides of your head um so i almost got the feeling that like you know how like my bloody Valentine or something, what they would do in a chorus, quote unquote, is they would like add a couple extra dozen guitars. You know what I mean? Like just <laughs> yeah, layer right. layer it on. Here there wasn't that much of that, but there was almost always like to mark a crescendo or a hook or something, layering of vocal uh, you know, vocal layers, right? Mm-hmm. Like just on top, on top, on top. And that was like that was the thing. It's like if if loveless is a guitar album like to me this is just a vocal album did you eventually land 
there, Darren, sharing that opinion? Yeah, definitely. To be perfectly honest, before I even knew who all was in the band, I kind of was assuming there's like two or three singers. I did the same thing. Happening at I once, checked. Right? I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, two twins. Yeah. Well, yeah. That you know for sure. <laughs> I was thinking there there must be multiple singers here, but um, you know, it turns out it's it's all just who uh, Elizabeth Fraser, right? And um, right, right. Yeah. So the the amount of layering and everything really it really is it really takes on kind of the uh the dominant you know feel in the sound of the record um and even exploring some of their other albums you you can really tell that that's definitely the the star as we've described it yeah yeah but so the other like the weird paradox to me is that the guitar or the vocals are are used almost like guitars they are or synths they are like part of the fabric here and yet they also really stand out you know if you think about like other dream pop, other shoegaze, it's to me, it's like always marked by breathy vocals buried deep sure. in the background. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it, it, it was almost like jarring to hear really some like vocal fireworks going on throughout every song. I mean, it felt like if my bloody Valentine was like fronted by jewel or like <laughs> the girl from the from the cranberries or something like that you know what i mean like just like a powerhouse vocalist did you guys find that like a really strange uh combination oh yeah i mean the the first time i i, I went through it you know i was expecting you know i knew it as like a, a dream pop you know shoegazy sort of sort of classic so i was expecting that you know the, the breathy vocals and everything and, and you know mm-hmm. I, I think i say this every episode but I, I'm not generally a huge fan of like lyrics and vocals and stuff, you know. Um, so when it fir- the first time I listened to it, and it was just like up front center, like th- just like right. somebody who can sing really well and all. I was like, oh man, Ugh, this this is gonna be a <laughs> this is gonna be a long two weeks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I, I guess I'll save my opinion as to whether I got over that or not. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't spoil it yet, um, Darren. You know, we we've gone over this a couple of times, but you love a powerhouse female vocalist. Uh-huh. Uh, I know, I know that about you. So, <laughs> what did you make of that, like paradoxical shoegaze, but with Jewel singing? Um, you know, I, I, of course, I think you guys can guess. I ended up really enjoying it. Right. Um, I thought mm-hmm. it was. I, I kind of went into this similar to what Dan was thinking, expecting sort of buried, uh, layered. You know, um breathy kind of vocals and stuff so i was really surprised at how front and center you know the 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 vocals would get at times and how um you know very clear that she was a powerhouse singer right i mean we were getting even like operatic right in her soprano uh pitch you know throughout the album and stuff and then there's there's this there's a song on uh i think it's on bluebell um called uh, carolyn's fingers where she just really um goes all in and i i almost kind of wanted more of that i mean we can get into that a little bit later but um mm. i i enjoyed it yeah another thing that was weird to me is that you know if this is supposed to be dream pop or shoegaze or whatever and we'll we'll dive into the whole genre question in a minute but i thought it was surprising also that like her vocals are not blended together like not blurred together often they're like 
two or three harmonies singing yeah. at the same time yeah, yeah. and they're very distinct from one another you yeah know? like it really I, does just sound like several singers yeah i mean that that's like darren said i i, I checked because i i really thought that there were multiple singers because of that you know because because they weren't blended and i mean sometimes even they almost sound like different you know people or something um yeah yeah so yeah that that, that definitely surprised me i didn't i didn't expect that at all yeah, and let me give a disclaimer real quick. When I compared her to Jewel, I just want to be clear that I love Jewel's voice. So I'm not, I'm not like saying, you know, her voice. Like I think also Liz Frazier has an incredible voice, but um, thought I should put that out there before I get added to death. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just thought that that was so. Um, I mean, what do you think it like? Do you think it makes it a more interesting album that the vocals are treated that way, or like, you know, do you kind of just deep down wish like? they did the my bloody valentine thing and her vocals were like buried in the mix and they were like all blurred together to make like this grand you know like sound like a uh harmonizing synthesizers or something mm-hmm. instead of just so upfront so distinct what do you think darren um no i, I don't think i would have wanted that because i think it would have been chasing my bloody valentine too much you know um my listening, I, I didn't really find myself wanting to go and jump over to My Bloody Valentine, right? Because I really didn't, mm-hmm. you know, there's some similarities, but I, I think like some of the stuff we've been describing in the instrumentation and especially her voice sort of kept me staying here and not wanting to to leave, right? So if it was more like My Bloody Valentine, I think I would have, you know, wanted to go and listen to Loveless or something like that, right? Um, yeah. You know, I thought it was yeah. interesting that the way the pitchfork article sort of uh describes the music as like you know if punk had chased beauty instead of glorious ugliness or if goth had emphasized light rather than the dark or something like that right um that kind of stuck with me throughout the listening and i suppose we'll talk about that a a bit more later but yeah yeah I, i i just i keep mentioning my bloody valentine because i think i went into this expecting my bloody valentine sure you know and it was like yeah very different in a number of ways um dan do you do you kind of you know my previous question is that like you think that makes that adds something like unique about this album that it's not all blurred together into a wall of sound especially the vocals you know when i like i said when i when i first listened to it i was kind of disappointed uh you know because i was expecting that um but then you know i i did think about it and i was like you know if, if it was just that i would just kind of like what darren said i would i would just want to listen to loveless um right you know it, it's kind of the reason that there's only like a handful of of shoegaze records that are yeah, really yeah. worth listening to because you know there, there's a couple that are so good that everything else just kind of chases that and it is just not going to be as good and so i i think that like while I was disappointed initially, it, I, I think it ended up being a more interesting uh, listen to have something that that wasn't just you know my bloody Valentine light or you know slow dive light or something you know. Um, it, 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 I ended up being glad it was different, you know, whether or yeah. not I enjoyed it. <laughs> right, still, still not being quite. This is um, it, it's a, you know it's a tease, <laughs> keep people listening. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, yeah, a couple other things I want to talk about in this kind of overall sound section. Um, the song structures here. You know, I was, um, you know, I felt this way about Loveless as well. Um, and I don't, again, I, I'm sorry if I keep bringing up Loveless. It's not fair to Cocteau Twins. But, you know, pretty simplistic song structures here. Like pretty much every song is a verse, chorus, verse you know, chorus, mm-hmm. bridge, chorus deal, like pretty much every single one. Um, you know, the closing song, Fru Fru, 
Foxes in Midsummer Fires. Um, what a title. It sounds like of Montreal or something. <laughs> yeah, um, I know. <laughs> it, uh, that one's got like a little bit of a, of a different thing, like sort of just a big buildup kind of a thing. Um, but other than that, pretty standard, I would say. And yet I, w- I was sort of surprised by the fact that most of the time there is not much, if any, difference in the like chords of the verses and the choruses, you know, it's just her vocal melody that changes. Mm-hmm. And like, it's kind of like, to me, surprising in this like delightful way, how like the same chords, all of a sudden it's like much, much catchier than it was a moment ago. And I don't even know like how she spun that out of thin air, you know? Um, what did, what did you make Darren of like the, I mean, did you find it a little simplistic song structure wise, or did you feel like, it's amazing, like I feel, that her vocals somehow add so much to pretty simple songs. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you in that her vocals really carry um, these songs and, and kind of keep the momentum going. Um, I think it's it's a it was a wise decision to keep some of the song lengths relatively short, right? I mean, most of the songs yeah. are under, you know, three and a half minutes or so. Um, right. And I, I think that's a smart move because the songs do sound, you know, fairly simple. And I, I feel like, you know, between track one and like, I don't know, track six or seven, like you're, you're, you're pretty, you're pretty, uh, well established. You kind of know what you're getting. Right. Um, there's not a yeah. whole lot of like variety. Um, I would say, and I, I think by like midpoint of the album on towards the end, you're sort of counting on the vocals to sort of, be there and do something grand um yeah i don't think anything else is really gonna do much to to kind of surprise you if that makes sense yeah i don't think there's a whole lot to like latch onto in the instrumentation really um but what do you think dan do you think like her vocals pull off just elevating very simple songs yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, I, I don't mind the simplicity of the songs. You know, I, I think like that little quote uh, Darren read about, you know, punk and stuff like it, it does have like sort of a punk feel. I, I like a simple song. Yeah. You know, I, I said it all the time. You know, I hate when somebody's, you, you know, progging out or whatever. Um, But it was uh. nice to have like, you know, um, you, you know, the simple song that that is elevated by like uh, a person who who is a good singer, which is, again, something that, that I normally, you know it's annoying but uh you know it was a good like juxtaposition i think yeah i just felt like it was always a pretty basic like four chord strumming thing and there are like several songs that just start with the with the chords and the you know the the guitar drum and bass are kind of going and uh and i'm always like eh you know nothing nothing that great and then like it's just amazing how even the verses are choruses here it's like every part of the yeah. song is a chorus mm-hmm. And it kind of adds like this fun surprise element to me, which is like, you know, I think of like, I wear your ring, which I would say is like one of the slightly weaker songs here. Um, but it, it's like good. And then it, it goes into this outro, which is not like actually a huge change up from the, from the first half of the song, but all of a sudden she like invents an entirely new hook and it's absolutely incredibly catchy. And it's just kind of like there's something about the sameness of this album where when a song starts, I can't really remember which one it is. Yeah. Yeah. But then the then like the hook kicks in or the second hook or the third hook kicks in. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I love this one. Like, 
You know what I mean? It was almost like the sameness worked for it. You know what I mean, Darren? Yeah. And I mean, I kind of disagree with your assessment of I Wear Your Ring. I think it's one of the best songs on the album, actually, largely because of mm. how things shift there towards the end. Uh, you know, again, it kind of, well, yeah, yeah. It kind of uh, carries the song um, there at the end. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, basically everything you had just mentioned was pretty spot on and i i kind of i kind of agree and and i think again going back to the lengths of the songs is just so important right because like if these songs were like five or six minutes and you get this grand kind of new hook at the end you know does it lose its impact because it may have lost you somewhere in the middle of the song you know what i mean yeah right 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 yeah it, it's very very tight um also you know we, we we've kind of talked about the production um i just had sort of like a side question here which is like i mean this album is similar to some other shoegaze and actually a lot of 80s music and that it is like the trebliest album like <laughs> yeah. i've maybe ever heard and i mean do you think this is like exceptionally treble or is it kind of par for the course for the decade um of the 80s um acknowledging of course that this came out in, in 1990 but also, what the, what was the deal with the '80s obsession with treble? Isn't that weird? <laughs> I don't know, but I I think it. I don't know if it's exceptionally you know bad or if it is just kind of par for the course. But it it, it is annoying. Uh, what annoyed me so much on this record um, is the the simple crashes. They are like uh, so trebly, and it makes them sound. I know they're synthetic, but it makes them sound like so cheap and fake uh, half the time <laughs> like you know how like new order would kind of like use those really like kind of corny yeah. you know like drum sounds but like i don't know they made it cool i felt like here sometimes <laughs> especially that crash symbol i'd just be like "Ooh, uh, that's a little that's a little 280s for me yeah, and it was it's yeah. like the trouble yeah, you know the drums just do not sound great so highly troubled yeah and i, I felt like some bass notes were like they would add a little bit of fullness, but then, you know, it would just be like too high of a bass note and there would be no bass to that sound anymore, like at all. And, um, and the, like sometimes like I, I was not sure if there's a kick drum on this record, you know, like yeah, it, it yeah. would be like just completely, <laughs> you know, missing at, at points. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I didn't, I didn't like dislike the trebliness, uh, but I was kind of like, you know, blown away by like, damn, this is a trebly album. <laughs> Uh, what did you make of that production choice? Uh, yeah, there? I mean, I find it kind of off-putting, you know, and, and you had, we had talked about the different remasters and you said that the one that we had was like the superior. So, and even then I, I was just kind of surprised. So, you know, I told you guys I have purchased a, quite an expensive pair of noise-canceling headphones, right? <laughs> and so in one of the rare rare moments listening to music, I actually had to, like, turn it down, right? Like, below the normal, like, listening level that, I'm, that I enjoy because it's just so trebly that it, like, almost hurts to listen to it mm. loud. You know what I mean? Like, it, not that that's, like, terrible or anything. Like, it's fine, but it, it you know, there's, there's also something to the experience of, like, you know, warmth and, and having, like, a deep bass sound here and there um though i suppose that would change kind of everything about this record if you just threw that in there suddenly but um but yeah it was it was a bit annoying having to like you know kind of get used to that it it took a little getting used to yeah I, you know there were some sometimes like on um i don't know how to say thoughts politics <laughs> yeah Fots that's one i was just thinking of yeah mm -hmm. that one actually to me is like so trebly <laughs> that i'm like 
damn, they are fucking going for it. And like, (laughs) and I like respect it. Like there are times where it's like, I feel like they're trying to, trying to do something like kind of, kind of lush and stuff. And it's just so troubly and thin that it's like not totally working. Um, But there's a lot of songs here where I'm like, they just love trouble. And you know, that, that it, it, it works. Like maybe it's not like my personal preference, but it's like, they're really embracing the trebliness of this. I wonder, did um, either of you guys check out? So we, what we listened to this week is the 2014 remaster, which is pretty celebrated uh, because I think it changes very, very little about like the original, you know, CD. Um, but there is a 2004 remaster that is like widely hated, uh, and that's what's on most streaming platforms. Um, and I, I think it, it just kind of like tries to make it. I hate this so much, like. A lot of this 80s stuff, you can't make it sound like a modern rock record. You you can't do that yeah. after the fact because it's just going to sound like absolute dog shit. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what's happened here. Did either of you guys like kind of check it out out of curiosity? No, I, I meant to, but I, you know, I just kind of wanted to stick with uh, what, what I needed to learn <laughs> for the show. Yeah. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't end up checking out the, the one on Spotify. Well, it, it just kind of like touches on what you were saying, Darren, which is like, you know, you wish it kind of had that that kick of like how music sounds today, but then you hear that and you're like, actually, it's better that it doesn't. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so, um, you know, I think we, we've talked a lot about like kind of how striking I think this sound is. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the, the genre question. We've already kind of brought it up a couple times here, you know. I'm wondering how you guys would describe the genre of this. I know maybe you guys aren't as like obsessed with genre categorization as I am, as we've talked about before, but what I kind of want to have a little side table convo about is like, what is the fucking difference between dream pop and shoegaze? Like, why does it seem like all shoegaze is dream pop, but not all dream pop is shoegaze? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I completely know what you're talking about. And I think I would, you know, I would categorize certain bands and be like, oh, no, that's not shoegaze, that's dream pop. (laughs) But I don't think I could actually explain why. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, do you have a a definition, Darren? Um, not, not really. I mean, I, I think that like the difference for me, if I were just to like think about it right now, um, you know, dream pop to me has like this element of like, almost like a home type of uh recording right that uses a lot of like layers and stuff to almost emulate shoegaze but doesn't quite get there whereas shoegaze is like to me a bit more like it's it's a it's more difficult to really understand what is happening in terms of the sound right i think like when i drink think of dream pop i I feel like this album is much more in the realm of like a dream pop as opposed to like you know the shoegaze of my bloody valentine yeah i mean that that, feels right help at all but (laughs) (laughs) now i think yeah i mean it just feels correct but i don't know why i maybe a little bit it's like you know shoegaze is sort of like you could tell this this person is like obsessed with like gear you know like like pedals and amps and and guitars and stuff and dream pop is is kind of like what darren said you know it's like just kind of making do with what you've got you know at home you know, like, like I feel like you, you, you could make a dream pop record, you know, with with a with a Casio or something, but you, you know, and just your computer. But like, you know, to make something like Loveless, you gotta have you know eight hundred amps and you know eight eight thousand pedals and and all this <laughs> kind of stuff. And yeah. and and uh, maybe dream pop too is like sort of 
a, a more synth based you know thing yeah than, yeah, yeah I, I like that i always kind of think a shoegaze is more um you know guitar not not to say that the right, you know there's right. not any keyboards or, or synth you know in it but it's like sort of like the guitar is is front and center and, well, and you're trying to like sent this front you're trying to like warp that guitar sound right you're like you're trying to almost make the guitar sounds yeah like, like a, a synth way, or right? something yeah, 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 yeah exactly well could there be a shoegaze album with no guitars on it is that possible mm. i mean i th- yeah because i mean you could you could you could hook your, uh, you know, your your synth up to to hundred amps and, uh, you know, make it yeah. sound. You know, you could do it. I just think that, like, more commonly, you know, that that's the thing. I, it's not like a hard and fast rule. Yeah, I think you know, I, I was thinking about this a lot, and I really didn't come up with a good answer. But it's like, it's striking to me on this album that there are basically, you know, just almost no instrumental passages, and the instrumental textures to me are like the most important part of shoegaze you know that's kind of the emphasis that's that's why the vocals are in the back seat you know um here she's singing pretty much constantly like it's almost funny to me that like on the title track heaven or las vegas there are a couple like slide solos almost and it's just like two bars and it's like okay stop i'm gonna sing again you know like as quickly (laughs) as possible and you know it's almost like he's like here's my time to shine but um (laughs) But yeah, just so no no emphasis here, I think, on the kind of like feeling out the instrumental texture textures, you know, no like the the singing never never stops, never disappears so that you can like dive into those textures. I don't know if that's the essential thing. And yet, you know, if you look on Radio Music, right, where people vote on genre tags, uh number one is Dream Pop. Number two is Ethereal Wave. I've never heard of that, but it sounds awesome. Um I just love these ridiculous genre titles. Number three is shoegaze. So, w- would you call this a shoegaze album at all? I mean, like I said at the beginning, it, it has like the you know sort of makings of shoegaze. You know, that's why I said like proto shoegaze. You know, like y- you can sort of see, you know, like the, there's certain moments that uh, you like the beginning of like Ice Blink Luck. Um, that that guitar riff right, like right. really really reminded me of. of my bloody valentine and stuff um you know but it's not like quite all the way there um i definitely would lean towards dream pop over shoegaze here but i i don't think it's it's out of line to uh to call it dream or you know shoegazy or anything yeah what i mean what genre would you pick and would you completely object Darren, to using shoegaze to describe this yeah i think i would i mean i think shoegaze is just a bit of a stretch for me um i you know and i again i I think that largely because I just wasn't really thinking about My Bloody Valentine or, or Slow Dive or any of those types of shoegaze right, albums right. Um, when I was listening to this. I just wasn't. Um, if I was in iTunes right now and I needed to slap a genre on it, it would be dream pop. Yeah. So is, you know, you, you mentioned this term already, Dan, but I did want to ask, you know, I've seen people call this proto shoegaze. Um and it makes a degree of sense because, you know, this is obviously uh, Cocteau Twins' sixth album. So they had been experimenting with these kind of lush textures. And I will say that, like, some of their earlier stuff that I checked out, we'll talk about it later, but did have, like, bigger walls of sound going on and stuff. Um, you know, but I, I just wonder, like, is there is there such a thing as proto-shoegaze? You know, a lot of people call it like, Jesus and Mary Jane proto-shoegaze. Um, but that means that we now have Dream Pop shoegaze and proto shoegaze as three different things how can those be three different things 
No, I, I, I think, yeah, I mean, obviously I, I said it, so I, I have to agree with it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I like I would say that Jesus and Mary Chain is sort of a, a proto shoegaze. You know, it, I think it's 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 guitar based, you know, dream pop like it, it's if you're going to say that shoegaze is the, you know, guitar based, you know, genre. I, I think like when you when you're sort of early, you know, before Loveless making guitar based kind of dream poppy things that 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 that's a proto shoegaze move you know like you're like i said like this this record is not a shoegaze record but i i like can very easily see like the the makings of shoegaze there uh you know i Uh. can I mean, there's a reason we we've mentioned My Bloody Valentine eight million times this this episode, you know, right? Like, right, right. you know, you can see the makings, and and that's what that's what proto means, you know. Um, so I I think that yeah, I mean, is it like a real show? like would I put that in my iTunes like like Darren was saying? <laughs> no, you know, I'm not an asshole. I would put Dream Pop. Well, let me sort my library would... <laughs> by port proto shoegaze. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you're being you're 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 being a little you know uh, oh, you know overdoing it there. But I think you can describe it in that way, you know. But I, I wouldn't say it's a real genre, you know. So what genre would you would you enter for Jesus and Mary Chain? Damn, that one's harder. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I think Jesus and Mary gotcha. Chain. I. I I wish I had my old iTunes on this computer. I'd look what I have it as, but I probably would put it as shoegaze. Maybe. What, what's the top okay. one on? What's the top one on Rate Your Music? I'll look real quick. Talks amongst uh, yourselves. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you, I'll vamp. Um, <laughs> I mean, Darren. You know, another thing I want to ask is like, ah, it's noise pop. <laughs> noise pop. That's good. That's, that's good. I good. probably have that. That's good. That's good. Um, so now we got four things, four <laughs> genres for like basically the same sound with like the slightest variations. Um, yeah. So I want to ask both of you, you know, like what other artists were coming to mind, you know, other than like my Blade Valentine stuff when you were listening to this album, Heaven or Las Vegas. And I wonder, you know, does it kind of stand out from the dream pop and shoegaze of the eighties, the eighties alternative scene in general? Um, or does it kind of like fit right in there? You know what I mean? Like, so, so what other artists were coming to your head here? I mean, I mentioned it already, but like there, there were certain like th- sounds that really, you know, reminded me of the cure. Um, you know, this never r- yeah. rose to the lushness of it, but um, I don't know, just, a, just a lot of like a, the guitar and bass, like tones w- were giving me that. Um, uh, th- that, that was the yeah, main I, one. I, I found myself thinking sometimes of the Smiths, like, yeah, I could there, see that. There was, Sometimes kind of a jangly guitar thing, you know, like I, Ice Blank Luck is really quite a happy song. And it just reminded me of like Cemetery Gates or something, you know, with that kind of like nice, nice strumming. Um, but yeah, I thought of The Cure. I mean, I obviously thought of a lot of shoegaze and stuff. I also kind of thought of Kate Bush for, was for some reason, which I get a lot of comparisons. Um, anything kind of jump out to you, Darren? Well, yeah, actually, I was thinking a bit more into the future you know like beach house really came to mind right. um, yeah right. that that girl group Haim 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 the the vocals the way that they sing in a lot of ways is actually what led me That's to think true. that Cocteau Twins is must have been more than one person but uh but yeah I, you could kind <laughs> of hear the influence very clearly um coming through there but uh yeah definitely those two yeah yeah that's kind of interesting because I think that I think Haim is kind of like a '90s throwback, and sure. I, 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 it was weird because a lot of the this album, Heaven or Las Vegas, made me think of the '80s. 
but it also had a very like 90s vibe to me like it made me think of you know stuff kind of like the cranberries or uh mazzy star or you know just kind of had that like i don't know did you get like a like it, it just it just felt like a very um predicting the sound that was to come of a lot of these like kind of female alternative you know slightly dreamy kind of things that were about to come to did that jump out to either of you yeah i i, I agree you know i couldn't like really put my finger on it because i think that's like uh, the genre i know the least about maybe but you know yeah, like yeah. you know what i'm familiar with on the on the radio and stuff like this did like that kind of stuff did sort of seem like a uh you know a more consumer friendly version of uh you know what we got here on heaven in las vegas yeah yeah um did you think about the 90s darren yeah it was it was interesting you know i think maybe the production kind of kept my mind there in the 90s but i do feel like the instrumentation the vocals and stuff seemed very forward looking you know like in yeah yeah after thinking about like beach house and stuff i was like wow i never realized how you know or you could just you could just tell it they were heavily influenced and then and then if if you go back to like the early 90s um with that kind of influence you can probably spot a lot of other artists you know led by female vocalists that are kind of looking to the cocteau twins i, I think that's kind of clear yeah it just felt like you know and we'll talk more about this but you know diving into some of their like 80s work um this really felt like an interesting kind of forward thinking turning point of yeah. like kind of an 80s dream pop band kind of predicting uh, a lot of the sound of the to come um and also just really interesting to me that like when shoegaze was just adding guitar after guitar after guitar you know what i mean like just getting bigger and bigger um it's interesting to listen to their 80s trajectory leading up to this album and realize that they they did strip it back a lot for this one actually which is like you know they're zigging when everybody else was zagging which is kind of interesting <laughs> um so let's go ahead and try to uh talk about the lyrical themes you know i wrote this down because i, I kind of like you know I, I make these outlines like well you know kind of early in the process of where we're listening to it and i add to it and i tweak it and i was like yeah we'll we'll talk about the lyrical themes as we always do and then it was like wasn't until just a few days ago and I was like trying to read along to the lyrics. I was like, I might not have any fucking idea what any of these lyrics are about. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't even know if it's possible to talk about this. I should mention a little bit of the backstory of this album. Sure. Um, you know, the, the album is a, is a trio or the, the band is a trio. Um, Elizabeth Frazier singing Robin Guthrie playing guitar and Simon Raymond on like, you know, bass guitar and keyboards and stuff like that. Um, and so what's going on at this point, you know, uh, the guitarist Robin Guthrie and the vocalist Liz Frazier uh, are in a relationship, this whole, the the whole history of the band. Uh, Robin Guthrie is like having a bad, bad time with drug addiction uh, as the band, you know, gets more popular. And at the same time, Liz Frazier is pregnant with their, their first child together and um gives birth i think a year before this album comes out i think actually it was released on the first birthday of the of the daughter uh, of theirs and um so you've got kind of like two i don't know it's just kind of a tragic story i think in the sense of like you know you can you can really imagine the hope that uh, a new baby would inspire like maybe my drug addict 
boyfriend will stop being such a dumbass, you know, and get his shit together. But, <laughs> oh, no, he's going to remain a drug addicted fuck up, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like that's kind of where this album is coming from. And it's just surprising to me that I felt like I got some of that without understanding much of anything. Did either, did either of you get that? Like, like it's just the word baby is said a lot. And, you know, did you get any of like the themes? Nah, to be completely honest, I, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't read the backstory or anything. Um, uh, and yeah, I didn't know what the fuck was going on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so I, I read the, the backstory stuff too. So I, you know, and this was, uh, you know, I usually, I usually try to do this like after a few listens and everything. Um, yeah. you know, I, I still found it a little bit difficult to really pull any of that together, you know, um, you know, they talk about like the title heaven or Las Vegas or something like, you know, talking about the sins of that city and whatever, you know, it comes with like Las Vegas, but I don't know. I, I kind of struggled with it. And then like, once I sat down and like tried to read the lyrics, and I realized that like absolutely nothing that I thought I was hearing was actually true, and that <laughs> yeah. she stretches like words out over like m- yeah. multiple bars and yes. stuff. Like I was like, yes, I can't. Yes. I actually had to stop because I was like, this is this is actually like hurting the experience of listening because I, I, you know, it's it's just so weird because like even as I'm reading the lyrics, I'm like, did she actually say that? I can't tell if she yeah. actually said that. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I mean, like God, bo- God bless the people on Genius.com <laughs> yeah. who are like trying. But sometimes they are so obviously wrong. Like, I guess they're just trying to come up with something that could make sense. But like, <laughs> yeah. it, you're just like, where the fuck did they get that? You know, and <laughs> and you're right that she does often like she'll say like a one syllable word in like six syllables somehow. <laughs> yeah. um, and it just makes it like impossible. And yet, you know, I, th- I th- like the song like Ice, Bl- Ice Blink Luck. Like there are sometimes like lines and stuff that come out. Yeah. And there's some definite lines in there that are like very obviously talking about like her her happiness with this like kind of new start with this like new family and this child and stuff um and and then like you know it's it's just it's it's striking i think how like on the title track heaven or las vegas like you can really hear the chorus uh and i think that line is like just the best it's like one of the best lines i've ever heard am i in heaven or las vegas like it just sums it up, you know, because in many ways, Las Vegas is the exact opposite of heaven. It's like mm-hmm. the tackiest, shittiest thing. But I could see how you could be confused, you know, by the blinding lights of both. Uh, one is totally synthetic and bullshit, and the other is, you know, I guess the real deal. Um, if you believe in that. But <laughs> yeah, Las, Las Vegas is the real one. I'm, I'm confused. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It depends. Um, but. You know, reading that backstory, I was like, yeah, you know, like, I totally get what's going on here because it's like, you would probably have these happy moments of like, wow, we are going to be a family, you know, like we are going to pull this off and being like, but is this like, am I just kidding myself? You know, am I like deluding myself here? Um, I don't know. Do you think, Dan, that I'm just like totally like if you read the backstory, you're going to like transplant it on to this or do you feel like actually it is possible that some stuff is coming through here i mean i'm sure it's possible that some stuff's coming through you know it i it doesn't i I like kind of doubt she just picked random words you know um Mm -hmm. but i think i think if you didn't read the backstory you would maybe not arrive at that i mean i think like heaven or las vegas like that that is a little like you know obvious you know um 
but yeah i I mean the rest of it i i mean like darren would say i i the you know first handful of times i listened to it i didn't understand like maybe four words that were said the whole record you know and so i was like i'll do i'll do a read along and then after you know a couple songs where it just was like you know random shit on genius you know it was just like okay i get you know we're we're not really about the lyrics (laughs) here (laughs) yeah it was like you know loveless is very famous for like it being hard to understand the lyrics but loveless is not so hard because you kind of like you can read like the bits that are definitely like probably definitely right and you'd be like oh this song is about sex yeah oh this song is also (laughs) about sex Oh, this song is also about sex. You know, it's like not, it's just not that hard to piece it together, but there's maybe some complex emotions here. Did you, Darren, were you like successfully moved at all? Maybe even just by knowing the backstory, uh, by some of the lyrical themes here? I mean, a, a little bit, you know, like I, like I said, even after reading the, the backstory, um, you know, I, and then trying to read the lyrics, it was still a little difficult because I, I think that she is, while there are certainly some, you know, very clear, uh, themes or points she's trying to make. There's also a lot that I think is kind of hidden in cryptic lyrics that are just hard to decipher. So then I feel like you turn to the feeling of the, you know, the music, Mm -hmm. right? The emotion that's like coming through. And, um, you know, I, I think that this, this album is kind of full of a lot of emotion and it's certainly not that of like romantic love type of, you know what I mean? Um, type of, uh, type of emotion there's there's just a different it's a different feel right um i don't get the feeling that there's a lot of a whole lot of like necessarily sadness but um you know i get the feeling of like uh it's it's hard to like kind of like an emptiness you know what i mean um but a little bit of like anger too like it's a little aggressive right it just kind of feels that way even if you know the lyrics are not like beating you over the head right yeah yeah i might just be like drinking the kool-aid kind of but it's like i felt like i could feel the uh the um ambivalence of this album like of what she must have been feeling at the time you know because like it just has you know it just has like sort of this weird maturity like it's got like the happiness that again maybe just because i read the backstory but like this different kind of happiness that i associate with like being a, a new mother or something like it just it doesn't feel like the kind of happiness of like i kissed a girl for the first time that was awesome you know or, or like teen romance or something it just feels like a very different kind of like happiness and yet there was kind of like a sadness running through it um very complex you know yeah. the yeah yeah i don't know just something unique about the, the feeling here um the you know kind of jack of all trades guy simon raymond he mentioned that he thinks that the album is really great because there's kind of light and darkness here which we've kind of been touching on but i wanted to ask you specifically if you feel like i felt like the side two of this record the b-side got a bit darker and moodier did you feel dan like this album had something like an arc uh, like a mood arc from maybe happier to you know maybe even ending like on sort of a darker note there uh not not entirely i mean i I guess uh, you know i could see that a little bit but i it it just sort of it felt a little samey you know through throughout the whole record uh if if i'm being honest i I didn't really i didn't i like honestly i kind of felt like you you could shuffle this around a little bit and you wouldn't change too too much about the record 
Interesting. Uh, do you do you agree with that, Darren? That I think that the that it sounds samey or the sequencing question. I mean that it could just be shuffled because I felt like you know I felt I felt like I wear your ring, um, you know, wolf in the in the breast, um, road river and rail and frou frou, all had like a slightly ballad style you know like they, they would often kind of pick up a little bit into it but like especially like frou-frou it's kind of like this like pretty moody piano you know opening which is sort of like different from the rest of the album i just felt like the album had something like an arc from maybe brighter sounds into darker sounds yeah i was i would agree right and i think that the sequencing is is fairly strong right i you know to the the question of sameness, I mean, I don't think that that's, you know, I, I would, I I don't want to argue with that too much because I mean we've talked about it, the instrumentation doesn't quite, you know, vary a whole lot, right? And that kind of leads you to to think that it's kind of samey. But you know, I I do think that like songs like I Wear Your Ring, like in its positioning on the the album, certainly Fru Fru, I think it's positioned in the the final song being i think that's really important right i I just wouldn't change that um because i I think it's a great album closer you know what i mean um i think cherry colored funk is is a pretty good way to open the record and you're right i mean it it actually sounds brighter it sounds a little more upbeat um right at the beginning Mm -hmm. and then you get you really kind of sink into a bit more of like a despair right um as the album comes to a conclusion yeah i just feel like you know it's like first first five listens i was like yeah it's pretty samey but Mm -hmm. then you know you listen like you listen like pitch the baby or something and it's like she's almost like rapping like and like i couldn't imagine that on the second side of this record now you know now that i've just like spent more time with and gotten used to the the arc that i feel is there um okay so we've we've kind of been talking i think about this record like as a whole, and I think that's part of the vibe of this record as we discuss, which is like, it's almost kind of hard to remember which song is which until you're like in it and you're like, oh yeah, I love this one. Um, but are there any like kind of highlights that really stand out for you guys? I think my favorite song was was Ice Blink Luck. It just, it was like weirdly catchy, even though like, I don't know what, you know, she's saying. It just sort of, you know, had a catchy feel. I was I was happy to see that it was the first single. Uh, you know, I'd make a great yep. uh, A&R man. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, I, yeah. I, I like the, I, you know, I talked about the, the, the little guitar lick on it. I, I, I liked that. Um, I, Heaven or Las Vegas, you know, the title track, I thought that was, that was yeah. a highlight, but, uh, Ice Blink was, was probably my favorite song on the, on the record. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Heaven or Las Vegas is like an absolutely special song. It's like one of those songs where it's like, if all their other songs suck, they would probably still be legends. Um, it's just got this like massive like sing at the top of your lungs uh with the windows down kind of a chorus thing which is again strange for dream pop or shoegaze um what 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 were highlights for you Darren Yep I mean I mentioned I wear your ring um I think Fru Fru was probably the first song that like kind of stuck in my head right and uh you know I have to admit early on i didn't really know where it was on the album right like when it was in my head i was just like is this the end of the record i can't really remember you know what i mean um but you know listening to it more and more like it 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 ending the record i just felt like was so perfect and and i i think that it's kind of a, a great you know it's it's you know i think when you when you think about closers to albums that are 
you know, arguably a little samey. It's it's kind of nice when you get just a little taste of something different, right? Um, I think it's a good yeah. way to sort of like close out a record um, by sort of doing a little bit of a you know variety, right? You know, they they kind of stretch out a little bit. This out this song is almost like six minutes, um, and of course yeah, her vocal yeah. melody, like whichever hook it is, there's like a few, right? Um, really hit some of the high points I think for me uh, from the entire record. Yeah, it's got a it's got like a really cool um you know, I feel like that's a song where you can hear their you know, they're kind of associated with like the goth movement early on a little bit. Um they're a little bit more abrasive, a little post punkier early on. Um and I feel like I feel like Fru Fru was maybe the one song where I could really hear those goth roots. Like mm-hmm. there was like a slight slight like joy division moodiness to it, like the twenty four hours song from the uh, closer album that we talked about mm-hmm. a couple episodes ago. Um and it, it just had, and it had a similar kind of like just sick bass and drum drop, like when that shit kicked in and like, it actually got quite lush. You know, we talked about how spare this album is, but that, that builds up into like a really nice, uh, lush sound. Um, any low lights, anything like strike you guys as weaker than everything else? You know, honestly, like I didn't think anything was really like a bad song i i think my like low light is that the album gets a little same like i'm kind of tired of it by the time we get to the end and that makes me you know like like the the last of fru fru fox like it's a good song i just always like kind of tired of the record by the time i get there um uh, and so i would sort of like the the second half of the record is is sort of uh the, the low light for me but just just because I'm, I'm I'm a little I'm a little weary by then. Huh. Okay. Um any low lights for you, Darren? I mean not really. I think we kind of mentioned that Fultz politic um song in the kind of sound uh, of it just not being particularly wonderful, you know, very very <laughs> trouble there. Um and I think the only song we may not have mentioned by title is like 5050 clown, right? Um yeah, which I think is yeah. like a fine song, but I mean com- compared to like being being in between like Ice Blink and Heaven or Las Vegas, I feel like it's just kind of lost, you know. Yeah, I actually kind of agree with that cuz it's like it's it's the one that I like, you know, I can't like sing in my head right now just right. by looking at the title, you know, but I mean, I'm sure if I heard it, I mean, I, I like every song here, but it, yeah, maybe it does get a little lost in the mixer. I actually love the F- Fots politic song. Um, it, it's another one that gets actually enters shoegaze territory for me with like a lot, a lot like more abrasive guitars and stuff on there. Um, quite a fiery, energetic track, actually. Um, quick, just real quick little game, since I'm the only person with a like upgraded rate your music account who can see track ratings um <laughs> i want to ask you guys what do you think is the only song here that is not bolded i guess for our listeners who aren't familiar when a when a track gets like a high enough rating and enough ratings it gets bolded same thing for albums they get bolded this is like entering the hall of fame a little bit like when something gets unbolded all the fans are in the comments like fuck we gotta get this bolded again you know so <laughs> there's only one song on this album that is not bolded because the rating is too low though it's not very much lower than the others but which one do you think it is huh. I, I don't know I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna venture because gabe sort of called out i wear your ring early on that he's prob that's probably the one because uh, he probably agrees with rate your music right that that's a good tell that that is a good tell <laughs> um 
it, it honestly surprises me because it, it's got a the record itself has a pretty high rating so I, I'm, I'm actually a little surprised they're not all bolded but I, I think where your rings a good guess but just just to be different I'll, I'll go with the the thoughts politic well I can't believe you guys think I'm such a follower it's uh <laughs> it's road river and rail is the only one that is oh, not bolded okay. um you know I should mention that I I do really like I wear your ring but I feel like if it didn't have the outro, it would be the worst song here. But the that's, outro that's like, probably just fair. lifts it up, yeah. lifts it up so much. Um, Road River and Rail, I really like. I feel like it's the only song that the chorus, the the chords of the chorus are like very different from the chords of the verse. It has like a very a songiness that a lot of the other songs don't have. You know, a lot of the other songs are just kind of like they just feel like they're drifting in and then drifting away. And even though her vocal melodies change a lot, but that one. Is like a song song, and I actually think it's like very, very catchy. Yeah, we need to get um, on there and get it bold again. Yeah, let's get that bolded. <laughs> um, what do you think are the highest rated tracks? There are two with the same rating, and they're the highest rated. I think Heaven or Las Vegas and uh, Cherry Colored Funk. What do you think, Darren? Yeah, I think Heaven or Las Vegas, and I'm gonna, mm, I'm gonna say Fru Fru. It is. Cherry Colored Funk and Heaven or Las Vegas at 4.6 out of okay. 5. Very impressive. And uh, the next highest at 4.4 is Fru Fru. So, hey. pretty, good, pretty good guesses there. Nice. Um, all right. So, let's get into the big picture here. How did it go, you guys, trying to get into, you know, Heaven or Las Vegas and Cocteau Twins this week? You know, I, I said uh, when I first started listening to it, I was, I was really not digging it. You know, the, the the vocals and stuff were, were just not my kind of cup of tea. And I was really dreading it. I, I came to, to like it. Uh, I definitely don't love it. Um, I, I didn't wow. I didn't explore outside of this record, mostly because I just like like we talked about all the songs. It's hard to tell what songs what. So I really didn't want to confuse myself for the podcast. Um yeah you know after this podcast will i check some of them out like you know maybe i i downloaded some of the other uh you know pre-remaster ones um that that you suggested gabe and you know i'll, I'll probably check them out but you know I, I i didn't come away like you know finding a new favorite band or or like absolutely loving this record or anything um wow you know i i kind of th- i thought it was good it, but you know that's about it as Interesting. much I mean, yeah, I guess I would recommend um, checking out some of their earlier stuff, like their album Treasure, um, for example. Uh, it, it is like a little bit, it's a lot gothier, I think, like I said, and a lot like post-punkier. Um, reminded me kind of of like, you know, those like weird uh, Cure albums where they were like kind of trying to figure out like what kind of band they wanted to be, like Faith. Yeah, yeah, stuff 17 like that. Seconds. Uh, yeah, yeah, I love those like, records. So uh, yeah, yeah, that felt like that vibe uh, to me, and so that might be more up your alley. This is a, a very, I mean, Heaven or Las Vegas is a very accessible record, like surprisingly so, I think, and it feels like a very conscious effort to make their sound like more accessible. Um, h- how did it go for you, Darren? So you know, at first it was a bit of a struggle. Um, and I think it was similar to the struggle I had when I originally tried to listen to Cocteau Twins. Um, you know, I think the sound takes a little bit of time. I think the vocals certainly help, but I do think that it's not an immediate, you know, um, cherry colored funk is not like, a you know, 
the opening track of Loveless, right? It's not a smells like Teen uh, Spirit. It isn't just like immediately, yeah, yeah. You, right? <laughs> um, in fact, I I don't even think like the song is fine, but like I feel like there's so many other like much better songs, right? So so at first it was a little bit difficult, but um, you know, it being 37 minutes, I feel like it was it wasn't too difficult to like still pay attention to it right and after repeated listens i kind of got much more into it um really started to enjoy the the uh the vocals a lot i did venture out a little bit um you know i, I gave uh, like treasure a listen um wasn't like really crazy about anything but i listened to like bluebell uh, a few times and like that song carolyn's fingers like it's just it's a banger right and i just like kept on listening <laughs> yeah. to it and then i found out that it was like their their first single in america and stuff and i was like man this this mm. song is like excellent but um nothing really else sounded quite like that on that record of course i didn't spend a whole lot of time with it because so, i wanted to focus on heaven or las yeah. vegas of course but um i mean overall i i came to enjoy it i think that i will like return to it from time to time i don't know if i'll spend a whole lot of time really digging into like treasure or anything but um heaven yeah. or las vegas I, I can definitely see myself keeping around and, and listening to yeah i mean i kind of ended up you know, I, I feel like it's a great, great record, but I, I ended up sort of deciding that, and I think we've talked about this a little bit before, but like there are some bands that they didn't, like their reputation suffers because they didn't drop like the Stone Cold classic, yeah. you know, like start here. Um, and it makes it hard to get into them and it makes it like, it makes it just, it makes them feel like a little bit lesser or something, you know, like. And and you, you you'd really just need one and it'll just like solidify everything for you. And there are some bands that are so obviously great, like I think of like a new order or something. I feel like it's kinda arbitrary that people have picked Power Corruption Lies as like their masterpiece, you know? Oh yeah. It's not I agree. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like it's not like remarkably better no, no, than definitely all of their other albums in that stretch. And yet I feel like fans, they kind of just want to pick one like here. This will be the one, you know, and it's to kind of like give some kind of legitimacy and respect to the band. And I, I ended up deciding that like Heaven or Las Vegas is kind of that for Cocteau Twins, um, because as I was checking out some of their other stuff, I was like, I was really, really liking it. In fact, I, I think I like Treasure even more than Heaven or Las Vegas. Um and I just, but I just sort of decided that like none of them really stand out to me like a disintegration or, or something like that or a loveless, mm -hmm. you know, but this is unquestionably to me a 10 band, you know, so people have this like desire to give, you know, pick one and it's like, this is the one to start with. Let's make that the 10. Like, do you kind of get what I'm saying? Do you feel like something like that is going on here with this? Yeah, I I understand. I mean, I mean, I think New Order is a good uh, you know example of that because like the they really are like a ten band, but it's not like incredibly yeah. clear. You know, Power Corruption Lies isn't like that much better than Technique or you know Brotherhood or something, right? Um, right. yeah. So I think that that that's a, that's a good um good example. I I don't think they're. I mean, I only listened to the one record, so it, it's hard to say. You know, you're, you're throwing out the tens like like nobody's business, we know. So, <laughs> <laughs> right, right, he's on a, he's on a streak now. I think <laughs> I'm a little. Stingier. I mean, it's kind of like it feels it feels wrong not to give like s something that the Cocteau Twins made a ten. You know, and I feel like that's yeah, you why you just want to award it to them. Yeah, yeah, you want it because they deserve it. And you know, if you look at like rate your music, it's like 
Heaven or Las Vegas is one of the rare albums that's in the four plus club, which means like, you know, thousands of idiots like it enough to have an average above a four out of five, which is like so rare on this website. Um, Even like the trolls and stuff like that. Um, So it's at a 4.04 and they have a couple albums that are like, you know, Treasures at a 3.96, Head Over Heels 3.74, Bluebell Knoll 3.77. You know, it feels like these should all be like around a 3.8 or something, you know, and it was just like, let's give it to, let's give it to him. Let's give it to heaven or Las Vegas. Do you, do you, give, do you know this phenomenon I'm talking about, Darren? Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm inclined to agree with that. I mean, you know, I, I think uh, that this, this album, you know, maybe under different circumstances, maybe if I really tried to give it a listen back in the day, I, I could see, I could totally see myself like loving this record and listening to it you know re- repeatedly it just didn't click at the time you know what i mean but um it, it this album and the way we've been discussing it kind of has all the elements of you know a 10 type of record you know what i mean right right so neither of you guys would give this a 10 then oh no definitely not wow definitely not what about you darren N- no no i mean you know me i'm i'm always a little hesitant to give away the tens you know there's only so many in a, in one's lifetime right <laughs> yeah darren, darren has this kind of like uh yeah this kind of system where it has to have like personally changed his life like darren <laughs> darren's life must have been changed for it to be a 10 which there's I a limited a number way to of tens that can ever happen to me that's that's how i look at they're it. like they're like working on this they're like god i hope that darren like, <laughs> in florida i hope his life has changed or this won't be a classic um but yeah you you know me i'll, I'll give it a 10 why not yeah, of, of um, course you will <laughs> <laughs> but i i, I want to emphasize that i feel like I, this is a 10 band like this band deserves to be canonized uh for sure i i totally felt that way listening to a lot of their stuff this week but it's just like i feel like maybe it's a little bit of wishful thinking that this stands out so much in their discography because they just have like a very strong uh discography um would you at least say dan that you have like corrected a blunder by giving Cocteau Twins a good listen here? Oh yeah, of course. I mean, you know, I obviously doing a podcast on music. I, I, I love just like the idea of music and stuff. And basically anytime there's something that's, that's, you know, really famous. Uh, this is number one for 1990 on Rate Your Music. I, I always feel like a little embarrassed when I don't like have a, which is right. stupid, but when I don't have like a knowledge of it, you know, it, it, that that's a blunder. It doesn't doesn't mean I have to learn to love it or anything, but it just, you know, just just knowing it in, in general, I think is is important for me personally. Yeah. What about you, Darren? Did you fix a blunder this week? Yeah, I definitely definitely think that I did. Um... And like I mentioned before, I I think I'll continue to listen to them from time to time. Yeah, yeah. I hope you will, Dan. Check out uh, Treasure. Yeah, uh, I definitely. Least, I mean, uh, when you compare it to those Cure records, that that makes me actually really uh, curious about it. Yeah, I um, and I, I do also want to add that um, there was a you know I really like the uh, subreddit Let's Talk Music. I know you do too, Dan. Mm-hmm. Um, and somebody you know, some young uh, whippersnapper made a post that was like. I, you know, how do I become a serious music listener? You know, um, you know, I, I, I check out songs on Spotify, you know, but I want to like do more, you know, and I, I listen to stuff that's like really highly rated on rate your music. And sometimes I don't like it, but I feel like I got to make myself like it. And I was like thinking about it, you know, and I, I, I commented and everything, but I was thinking like, 
I, I feel like what separates, um, you know, casual listeners, which is fine if you're a casual listener, but from serious listeners, uh, is what you said, Dan, which is like, just like, you don't have to like it, but you should be, you should kind of have fun, like knowing yeah, more exactly. about music. Like check it out to know about it. Think about like, Oh, this influenced this. Oh, this was influenced by this. Oh, these were like contemporaries with this. Oh, I see how they were inspired by whatever. And it's like, there is, even if you don't love everything, I mean, you'll find a lot of stuff you love that way, like finding connections and stuff like that. But you know what I mean, Darren, like you should try to have like, you should get pleasure from just learning more about the history of music. I think. Yeah. I mean, for sure. I think what, what Dan, like, I think we all probably experienced this is what they call FOMO, right? Um, you know, (laughs) it's, it's just, it's just nice. You know, when you see an album that's rated number one, you have no idea about it. I mean, like you mentioned, Gabe, that means thousands of other people have, you know, they have some kind of connection to this record and you do not like, I, you just can't help but want to check that kind of stuff out. And I think that's all it takes is just one album at a time, you know, and start with your number ones and number twos. You know, I think that's a great way to a great entry point. Right. Yeah. And like, don't worry about like liking it. Like you don't have sure. to force yourself to like something you don't like, but like you should get to know it and be like, Oh, I, you know, now I know like that part of musical history, you know? Yeah. And, and I do feel like Kako twins are, like I said, canonized part of musical history. Um, I wonder if you guys, though, I mean, do you think when people say like these 80s alternative dream pop, you know, greats like My Bloody Valentine, Jesus and Mary Chain, Slow Dive, even like The Cure or The Smiths, do you think Cocteau Twins should be mentioned alongside of them or are they kind of like a second tier uh, once you've gotten through the big ones for you guys? It's a little hard for me to answer that because, like I said, I, I, I've only spent time with this one record. Um, so right now, I think I would put them as a you know second tier kind of thing, um, which isn't really a knock. I mean, those are those are the Cure, the Smith. You know, those are some of the greatest bands ever. Um, right. So I think right now I'd keep them in a second tier. But you know, I, if 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 I like Treasure more, and I you know I I like this record enough that I, you know I could I wouldn't be surprised if I fell in love with another one of their record. You know that 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 worked better for me or something. So I think they have the the ability to move into that first tier that's right dan doesn't usually like bands like greatest you know records like the objective that's true. Crowd, he never so. does i he never, never you does. know i'm the uh contrarian <laughs> over here yeah he like he, he prefers the second tier to the first tier that's most right. of the time I, disintegration um, is not my favorite cure record by by far yeah that's yeah, that's yeah <laughs> Uh, Darren, I mean, what do you think? Do you think that they should be in, in the company of these juggernauts? I mean, I think they should because I feel like they carved out their own sound, their own space. You know what I mean? Like we've made some comparisons to contemporary bands and bands, you know, that came much later, but, you know, I think they kind of earned, you know, their spot right to where you're not just like directly like song by song, you know, comparing like this sounds just like my bloody Valentine right. or just like this or that. And I think that's important, right? That's what, that's what puts these bands at such a level. Like you, you know, put side by side the, the cure, the Smiths, you know, slow dive, my bloody Valentine. Like, I think they've all earned their spot, you know, and carved out their own uh, space. And I, I feel like Cocteau, the Cocteau twins have done the same thing. Yeah, yeah, I think it's like a very distinct um, band, but especially this record is like a very distinct record. And, you know, we, we were like coming up with these comparisons, but really, you know, when it comes down to it, it's like, oh, I hear a little 
My Bloody Valentine. Yeah, exactly. Like I hear a little cure here, but there's like nothing quite like this, I think. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so that's why I think it deserves to kind of be in these like in the the 80s Mount Rushmore or whatever, the 80s alternative Mount Rushmore. Um, Why do you guys think, you know, this is what I mentioned at the beginning is like for us, the uh, the serious listeners that I was talking about before with like a uh, such a crazy curiosity about music history that we, you know, do a podcast uh, about it for a long time now. Um, you know, if even us didn't get around to listening to Cocteau Twins until now, I mean, why we're not alone, surely. But why is that? Like, why don't they why are they do they seem underrated in that way? Yeah, I don't know. That That is like a hard question to answer i mean things like I, I feel like as soon as you get into like music like outside of just you know what's on the radio or whatever um you know you hear things like you know the, the, the you know there's the big indie hits you know loveless like we keep talking about you know in the airplane over the sea you know some cure yeah. right you know all that stuff like those things are just like you know the canon or whatever and i i don't know i don't i don't know why cocktail twins or cocktail twins are uh Aren't, aren't quite in that i mean i think they are at least enough like like i said i, I i've had this on multiple ipods throughout my life and stuff right so they you always know, knew the name yeah like my whole life yeah exactly i think they do even have like a radio hit or two um but you know it's it's just they're enough yeah they're enough to be like a name that i know and you know it's it's not like oh man never you know like fishman's we talked about like I really had never even heard of that, you know? Um, <laughs> right, right. Like, that that was really, like, came out of nowhere. Whereas, like, you know, I, I, I've i heard this record. I I'm, I have some familiarity. They're at least, like, that. They're just not, like, that that absolute, like, top-tier canonized uh, thing. But then on Rate Your Music, they sort of are. So it, it is sort of strange. Yeah, what, uh, what do you think, Darren? I mean, like, why do they seem underrated? Yeah, I mean, I just think that maybe certain bands certain albums just kind of have a bit wider you know are just a bit more widespread right and certainly not every album can be the first album that you should listen to right the first recommendation um and i think some of the bands that we've mentioned my bloody valentine so on and so forth have already like claimed you know certain spots where i just think like if, if you know a newcomer was coming along and wanting to get some recommendations for early nineties records. There's so many, but you know, you can only share one at a time. And I think the list is fairly chosen. Right. And I, I I just, unfortunately I just think Cocteau twins kind of just fall a little bit short. You know what I mean? And, And we talked about this a bit about just not quite having like the immediate, um, you know, song that kind of like draws you in right away. Right. I feel like you kind of have to give it some time to breathe and really get into it before you realize how great of an album it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. And I think it's like, it's, I don't know. People, people might like object to this, the fans, but it feels like possible to kind of tell the story of, of like music without mentioning cocktail twins. Like if you, if you wanted to give like a short version or whatever, um, because there's there's a lot of like dream pop and shoegaze and stuff to choose from and it just like so happens and maybe it's totally arbitrary that like some of these other bands kind of just were chosen as the standard bearers of that sound and that scene you know and you know listening to this i feel like maybe that's um maybe that's unfair uh because this is really distinct it's really unique it's it's kind of like a different i don't know i guess that's the, the issue is that it feels like kind of a a weird offshoot like like yeah. uh 
instead of loveless we could have gone down this path you know and um that makes it i think really stand out but maybe makes it so that you don't you could skip it like you know you could end up missing it um uh okay last or i got two more questions how do you think this is aging this album we talked about how it sounds pretty 80s kind of 90s um you know, could could we see a, a, a Cocteau Twins resurgence in the culture uh, or something like that? Or does it feel like this is growing more distant? I, I mean, I think I alluded to it. it. It's aging a little poorly. You know, we, we talked about like the, the, the just like trebleness of it. Uh, you know, those, mm. those drums were really what kind of like kept me from fully yeah. enjoying the record, I think. Um, you know, that kind of thing. I, I think to like yeah, a person who isn't listening just because they like have a, a curiosity about like music and, and you know, time periods of music and stuff like if you just listen to it as like a record, you know, a- outside of a time, a genre, you know, place or anything like I, I think it sounds kind of dated, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really crazy, though, Darren, how like you mentioned Beach House and I was like, damn, like Beach House got their whole thing from this you know mm-hmm. like um and i think beach house is great but i i just wonder like god it must be kind of a small fraction of beach house fans that have actually bothered to listen to cocteau twins and they would probably love it if they did yeah um but i mean beach house doesn't sound dated you know their style so does this sound dated well i mean production wise i think it sounds a little bit dated i kind of agree with dan but you know i i look to that that statement that uh that quote from the pitchfork article right about how this sounds like you know punk or goth if it had gone a different direction right and i think that that what that kind of statement means is that while they certainly influence bands like you know haim or haim whatever in the beach house (laughs) You know, there's not, it's not like there's a ton of other artists that you can look and say, oh yeah, this, they definitely came right out of the Cocteau Twins, right? Because I think music sort of went in a different direction, a little bit darker direction overall, right? And so that's why Beach House seemed so fresh, right? Like it's, it sounded like they were kind of doing something out of nowhere. And of course, when I listened to Beach House and was really into Beach House, I certainly wasn't thinking yeah, this is totally Cocteau Twins, like in, in the 2000s. Like, I just, <laughs> yeah. I didn't know, right? Um, so I, I think that in, to that point, it, it, it is sort of aging in a way that, you know, it's obviously influencing a little bit, but it's not having a major impact. And I don't necessarily think it's going to have a huge, like, resurgence. I mean, maybe, but I, I don't think so. Yeah. I, yeah. If it was going to happen, it was going to happen during the beach house. Uh, exactly. Era, and exactly. <laughs> I think that that's sort of past. Um, okay. The last thing I just wanted to mention is that I think it's fun when we do triple blunders. It's a little like uh, tough because we don't want to sound like idiots on this podcast. Like most <laughs> stuff we don't know. We usually like talk about stuff we do know. Um, but, um, and by the way, if you, if you, you know, know some triple blunders that you've heard us mention, you know, not knowing or anything, um, popshieldpod at gmail.com is where you can make those recommendations. I would love to do more. So far, the only other triple blunder we've done was Fishman's Long Season, which you mentioned, Dan. Out of curiosity, because I feel like we had a lot of fun discovering that album together, uh, how does Heaven or Las Vegas stack up to Fishman's Long Season? I, I liked Long Season better. You know, that that was a record I, I... I mean, one, it came, like I said, it came completely out of the blue. I had never heard of that. I, I didn't... When when the first time uh, I was to I, I didn't know 
what to expect, you know, at, at all. Um, yeah, whereas yeah. Cocktail, twi- Cocktail Twins, I at least like, um, you know, I, I knew it was a dream poppy band. You know, I knew certain things about it. Um, and I mean, I, you know, I, I kind of came to, to, to like Long Season a lot. I, I don't think I've listened to it since the podcast, but, um, wow. you know, I, I, I will. <laughs> like, that, that's, I have it saved in my Spotify, and, 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 you know, I probably will. Heaven or Las Vegas, I probably won't, one, because it's annoying to listen to things outside of Spotify, and if those remasters <laughs> right. are that bad, it just, like, it really, honestly, I know, you know, that this is bad, maybe, maybe, maybe makes me a, a Zoomer or whatever, but when I got to switch to a different app to listen to something... I gotta really want to listen to it, you know. And so, yeah, Heaven or Las Vegas uh, is is probably gonna, you know, get 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 lost a little bit in in that shuffle. Yeah. What about for you, Darren? Which is uh, which you prefer? I mean, long long season is a ten for me, so mm. um, that should say. Oh, it changed it his literal life. <laughs> <laughs> I need to write those guys and or well, I guess I can talk to them. Oh yeah, thing, I died. But uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> way to bring it down (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I think i would go go for long season as well though was kind of like a revelation um but let's keep doing triple blunders and uh keep searching for those revelations huh yeah definitely sure all right well what do you think we'd love to read your thoughts on the air like uh gabe said send us those triple blunders whatever popshieldpod at gmail.com i don't know why i say it next episode we don't know uh, if you like the show, <laughs> help us out by subscribing. Leave us a five star review wherever you get your podcast. I mean to delete it, you know, before I start reading this, but right. I never, I never remember to. Uh, <laughs> but uh, stay connected to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff at Pop Shield Pod, and we'll see you in two weeks. See ya. So long. Bye.